this idea of comfort, but, but the reality is Scripture teaches us that that's not how God works. And so the, the big idea the first week was this idea that being a part of God's family is full of discomfort uh, and awkwardness, but God uses those challenges to help us know Him better. And so we talked about what that looks like as far as within um, us as our faith and the church. So this uncomfortable idea of our personal faith and this idea of uncomfortable church. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that big idea of the uncomfortable faith. And we said this, that we should expect uncomfortableness because the crucifixion and what Jesus did on the cross at the very center of our faith. And Jesus says, come and follow me. Whoever comes and follow me must pick up the cross and follow me. So it's really this idea of come and bid goodbye. Like this idea that we have to daily crucify ourselves. And, and I can tell you that that's not an easy thing. That daily I have to die to self. Daily, moment by moment, minute by minute, many days. I have to die to myself and give my life to Jesus. And so in that moment is how God perfects us and changes and sanctifies us. And makes us more like his son and like like less like our own flesh. And then last week we talked about this idea that the uncomfortable, I'm sorry, um, yeah, last week we talked about this idea of the uncomfortable, awkward, and difficult call to be the hands and feet of Jesus in culture is a gift from God, and uses and God uses this to create beauty within us and around us. And so what I, what I talked about is distinctive things about the first century church, the early church, that really we should see today and, and how that should really impact uh, both us and our culture around us and how if we really lived like the first century church, the, the church distinctive set apart or the called out one, um, that's there's really what the church means. It, it's this idea that we would look different, our culture would look different, and the world around us would change. In fact, we, we see, because of the original 12 that started the church, we see that we're here today. And it's only because them stepping out of their uncomfortness that now we're here today. And so we, we talked about a little bit what that would look like. And today we're going to ra- wrap it up with this idea of the uncomfortable comforter. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. Let me, let me read a text in Romans 14 that says this. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, when, when we're focused on ourselves, that's when we're focused on comfort. Uh, it's my way or the highway. It's this idea of just craving everything that's my, 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 me, myself, and I, right? And it's this kind of attitude that it's only about me. We miss out on what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a bigger thing. It's his mission. It's his kingdom. In fact, next, our next series is really going to be on the idea of the upside-down kingdom, the Beatitudes. We're going to be studying out of Matthew 5. And, and, and this is what I want to focus a little bit on this morning, this idea that the Holy Spirit is calling us to something bigger, uh, something more grander, uh, that God wants to do a work in us, but he wants to do a work through us and out of us. And so John 14 says it this way, uh, 26, but the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name and will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. See, a good counselor tells you not just the tough things, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, but also tells you the good things. And the, the great thing about the Holy Spirit is he reminds us of who we belong to. And who, uh, the work that he is doing in our heart. He reminds us, if you will, of the gospel, the good news. 
uh, euangelion, that, that we can't fix ourselves, that we can't save ourselves, we can't clean ourselves up. Only the Holy Spirit, through the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel, the finished work of Jesus can do that. And so our big idea today is this. The Holy Spirit is the uncomfortable comforter who reveals, purifies, and empowers us. Um, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reminds us, reminds us of God's truth. He reminds us of God's goodness. He reminds us of the completed work, redemption of Jesus Christ that we found in him by grace through faith. He, he, provide, he reminds us of his provision. He empowers us in a new life. And the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, that means you've put faith in Jesus, you've, re, you've made an about chase, you've repented of your sins, and you've asked Jesus to come to your life, that you are a new creation, old is gone and new has come. And the Bible says that he has anointed us, he has set his seal of ownership on us, and he's put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That means it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. It's not our good ability, it's not our checklist, it's not our religious activities, but it's the Holy Spirit by grace that God does this. And so he reminds us that Jesus is our Lord, that we're no longer separated, by, separated from our Father, that salvation is a, a gift freely given by the grace of God, that we are free from the shame of our past sins, and now we're set apart as, us, as sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Holy Spirit work in us is to live out this truth as our new identity in Christ, this fresh start, this new beginnings. Um, the spiritual life that we've been powered by God. So it's really this idea of celebrating the good news this morning. And so the Holy Spirit, one, I want to share with you, the Holy Spirit reveals. Well, what does the Holy Spirit reveal? If you will, turn to John 16 if you're not already there. And in verses 8 through 11, it says this. And again, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, by the way, the Holy Spirit's not in it. It's the third person in the Trinity, okay? And so when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in him. Concerning righteousness because I, I go to the Father and, he will, and, and you will see me no longer. Concerning ju judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And so I think we see that and we only think negative. But let me ask you this morning if... If you went to the doctor and um, you got a scan and that scan came back and said you had um, a situation where you had cancer, would, would, it, would it be a good doctor for him just to ignore that? It's all, you're, you're doing great, right? No, only a good doctor would say, no, we've got this issue. We've got to attack it. We've got to deal with it, right? We've got to cut this out, give you the treatment so why you can have life. And what the Holy Spirit does is it reveals the things to us to understand that we need life and we cannot find life in ourselves. We can only find it through Jesus. And so when, when the Holy Spirit reveals these things, he reveals these things to understand that he, he's dealing with our sin, he's dealing with God's righteousness and judgment. See, is it really a matter of do we trust ourselves and our own law or do we trust God? And what can happen is there's only really two avenues that we can choose when God convicts us of our sin, 
when God, when, I, when I'm talking about this, I'm really talking about before you come to faith in Christ, when God has revealed to you that you need a Savior. And so we have really one of two choices. We have what the scriptures would describe is either worldly sorrow or godly sorrow. It's, it's found in a, a great text in uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10 where it says this, For godly grief or sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief or sorrow produces death. Let me explain the difference. If you know the, the, the New Testament or are familiar maybe, there's um, several things that happen right around the crucifixion of Jesus. One is we have this guy named Judas who betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And we see also see another disciple named Peter who denies him three times, in fact, it says. Now, the difference between those two is one's worldly sorrow and one's godly sorrow. One was convicted by their sin, but they went and they, they wasted their life. They didn't turn to Jesus. They turned to the world's regret and ultimately was death. The, the other one turned and was repentant of his sins. In fact, Jesus fixed him breakfast on the beach and he repented and he found grace and mercy. One turned away from God and became bitter. The other one turned to God and became better. And so it's this idea that we can either have worldly sorrow or godly sorrow. And if you're, if you're a believer today, that means you found godly sorrow and you've repented of your sins. You found grace and mercy in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit... Uh, does more than just illuminate our hearts, but he also uh, shines light on our hearts, but he also shines light on God's word. He opens up our minds to help us understand the word of God and what's been written in the scriptures. In fact, just like a loving parent uh, doesn't want their kids to be paralyzed when they make decisions, right? We, we know early on as we're parenting, we're, we're giving more and more responsibility to our kids, more and more freedom, if you will, more and more empowerment. And so I know as a new believer, sometimes you're kind of, man, is this God's will? Is this God's plan? But as you grow and begin to learn God's word, begin to re- be around God's people, as you begin to walk with God more and more, God doesn't want you to walk in this kind of paralyzed fear. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to just know his character and see his character and begin to make decisions based on his word. And so I, w- I want to describe to you that God's will can be discerned it can be discerned in community with other believers. As we, as we listen to godly counsel, as we search scripture together, as we submit to God's, uh, to his spirit's leading. In fact, guys, if you're not in a community group, can I just encourage you to go jump in one, okay? Even if it's not the one right away, jump in that one for a little while, eventually land somewhere, uh, find one that I wouldn't say necessarily makes you comfortable because that goes totally against what we've been talking about and what Scripture teaches. But this idea that, I I love this saying, I I heard this this week. It's it's not one that best fits you, but one is fitting you to be like Jesus. Isn't that good? It wasn't mine. I don't know where it came from. I heard it. I was listening to a podcast or something this week, so I'm sorry I can't give them a shout out. But it's not just the one that fits you, but it's fitting you to be like Jesus. I can tell you there's great joy in community. There's great, uh, credible sharp, sharpening one another. And, and I, I just encourage you to find community. We're offering it now. We've got a couple groups throughout the week. You can go to our website. There's a pamphlet in the back. You can find one. But find community because God did not make you and create you to do uh, this walk 
by yourself. In fact, if you look very closely, Jesus commands us, he commands us to go, right, to make disciples. That's to be with other people, by the way, right? So to multiply yourself as you follow Jesus. And he also talks about the greatest commandments to love God and love your neighbor. Well, it's impossible to love your neighbor if you're not in a community. So you need to find that community. Um, the second thing the Holy Spirit does this is Holy Spirit purifies. The Holy Spirit purifies. Um, 1 Corinthians 6 um, is, a, is a great text, too. And it talks about this idea. Again, I don't want you to get hung up on the things that he lists here because all sin is the same, but he does list particular sins in here. But the idea that God uh, wants us to be holy because God is holy. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, it says this. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the rivalers nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Listen, this is the good news. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Guys, that, that should be good news. If you know Jesus this morning, and by the way, if you don't, we want to introduce you to him. But the good news is we've been washed. We, we've been justified we have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That should bring you good news because the greatest need we have is to be forgiven and be reconciled with our creator. And so Jesus has done that for us. He purifies us. You, you've been washed by the completed work of Jesus. The scriptures make it clear that our washing, our sanctifying, our justifying is done by the spirit of the living God, by our God. This is what he does for us. You know, I, I think about, when I think about this idea of our, our lives or us being a, a house, if you've ever read that little booklet, I forget who wrote it, but it, it describes your, your, your life like a, like a house, and it talks about all the rooms that are in your house, and God doesn't want just one room. He doesn't just want the front porch, the living room, the foyer. He wants every nook and cranny of your life. So when God comes into your life, he is ultimately going to become Lord of all of your life, not just a part of it. And, and I love this, this illustration that I kind of discovered on this week. This, there's two shows that may be popular today. One's uh, Hoarding, the Hoarding show, kind of buried alive, this idea. And the other one is Housewives. You can put whatever prefix you want on it, right? Um, I, I don't have cable, so I don't have either one of them, but I kind of know the concept of them. One, this idea of hoarding, uh, where people literally in their, in their life, they have so much stuff that literally they've lost it all in, in a sense. They've lost all their relationships. they lost even the fact that they can't even get in their bed anymore and rest. And it's, they have this literally affection for this stuff so much that they pushed everything, any, everyone and everything out of their life. Um, I had, a, I had a, a brief discussion with someone this week, the lady, and she lives near us, trying to help her. Uh, the situation this house has been in, the condition it's been for like 15 years, and trying to help her. And as I got to talk to her, I just tried to come from a very servant mindset and say, what, what can I do to help? And he was, it was all caught up with this idea of 
of pain and hurt and past mistakes and things that people have done. And it was just, it was just, just, it was like this big hairball of stuff. I'm like, where do you begin with that, right? And this is what we see in people's lives where they, they let stuff come in their lives and it's just taken over. If you will, there's this hoarding of sin in their life and they can't even have relationships. Why? Because they just let it all take over. And what God wants to do is, she, the lady actually talked about putting a dumpster in front of her house and beginning to go through it. And I said, listen, I'll, we'll, we'll get some people to help you. We'll do whatever we can to help. But literally, God wants to come in and he wants to clean house, right? When he, when he convicts us of our sin and, and, and he, he wants to cleanse us, he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is this actual justification, and then there's that sanctification as God moves these things out. The other, the other reality shows is housewives, where on the surface, okay, don't, don't tell me you watch it, okay? I don't want to know. But, but on the surface, it's, it's like uh, these ladies have it all together, right? You know, they've got wealth, they've got power, they've got everything the world says is important and makes you successful, Right? But what happens is the show is full of gossip and rivalry and cutting and, and, and nastiness, right, and backstabbing. And see, many of us in this room, we may not be like the hoarder, it may not be a parent, but on the surface it seems like we've got it all together. But in, under the surface there's, there's stuff that's just broken, and the Holy Spirit wants to take care of this. He wants to clean house. He wants to fix those things. He wants to make you more like his son. And so we see um, how either one of these, our lives, can be full of clutter. So I, I ask you, what, what is your life cluttered with? Is it cluttered with the, the hoarding, the stuff, when it's apparent, or, or maybe it's the stuff under the surface that is hard to find and hard to see, maybe. But God is still asking you, um, he's still revealing it to you. He's still showing you how he, he wants you to be holy because his son is holy and because he is holy. I love how Matt Chandler says it this way. He says, by grace and in grace, we scour every corner of our hearts and every square inch of our lives and probe our minds to find anything that is not in submission to Christ. And we eradicate it altogether for the glory of God. See, the only way for us to be made clean is through the gospel of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. And you can't do it yourself. I remember as a young person, before I came to faith and didn't come to faith in my early 20s, I remember just feeling this guilt and shame when I would mess up and I would try to fix it. I would somehow try to make a new habit or not hang out with certain people to find myself back in those things. But the reality is I had not surrendered to be the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and I had not given my heart to him. And until I was able to surrender it all, that's when God began to make changes. That's when he, he renovated my heart. He began to break free those things I had allowed to come in my life. And so that's what he wants to do for you today. The Lord's grace is, is functioning in sanctification. He works in us to give us the will to obey him. He works in to produce good works of obedience in him. These good works are, are the result of grace. They're not meritous, 
in any way to salvation. God looks upon and is pleased with our sanctification, but it's not because we keep his commandments. No, it's because we receive eternal life. In other words, this, we receive eternal life because Christ kept God's commandments perfectly. And grace and our own merit are opposed at every point of salvation. In other words, we're not we're saved by grace. If it somehow could be earned or achieved through the law, as Paul said, then Christ died for nothing. So the reality is we, we are both saved by grace, we are justified by grace, and we are also sanctified by that same grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's nothing that we achieve. It's only what God does in our hearts. We can make no claim on God, but grace does not mean we are passive in the outworking of the Lord's redemption. Okay? It doesn't mean we just idly sat by. It's not cheap grace, but again, it's the grace of God, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does this. And see, in sanctification, we act not to earn, listen to this, not to earn our place in heaven, but because Christ has earned our place in heaven. And because he is working in us to prepare us for heaven. In other words, he is, as he's working in us, he's making us more and more like himself. So when we receive that glorified body, our minds will be sanctified in him in the completed work of glorification. And that's what God does in us. We act in non-meritous ways to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we produce good works because God's sanctifying grace alone guarantees them. It's Jesus, it's through his spirit, it's through his grace that sanctification happens. And this is what happens. So many times we start trying to gin up these things. We try to somehow create them. It's like taking plastic apples and sticking it on a dead tree. When the Holy Spirit empowers you, when the grace of God comes alive in your heart, it's walking in him and through him that the Spirit of God produces that fruit. It's not something merited up, or somehow ginned up, but it's through that. This is what we see. We also see that the power of the Holy Spirit empowers. If you will, turn with me to Acts 1. Acts 1. This is a famous text. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard most of this, if not all of it. And this is Jesus. He'd been with them for three and a half years. Uh, he went to the cross. He was crucified. He rose again. Been on earth for 40 days, coming and going. Some crazy things happening, going through walls, coming out of walls, right? appearing, disappearing, but he begins to remind them of everything he had been teaching them, and he's telling them he's got to go away. He's got to go away. Why does he have to go away? He has to go away because he's going to send someone, his spirit. Now, what's amazing about this, guys, is this. Jesus came to earth. He brought heaven to earth. He accomplished the will of the Father, 
which is not just to lay down his life, but to pick it up again, defeating death, sin, and the grave, so we may be reconciled to the Father, have forgiveness of sins, but also break the power of sin, and we can walk in righteousness with him now. Okay? But listen, he says, I'm going to give you something that you'll do even greater things than me. Now, what's amazing about that is this. We have now the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. What, what's more powerful than healing somebody physically? Seeing a heart of stone turn to a heart of flesh. Seeing a person who was blind and dead in their sins becoming alive and seeing again. Someone passing from death to life. That is the greatest miracle, by the way. And this is what we get to be a part of. So the Holy Spirit empowers um, Acts 1, 4 through 8. It says this, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they, they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, I want you to think about this. This is, again, these are, are men and women who have been with Jesus. They've seen this. They've seen the ultimate miracle, the resurrection. And they still are not quite getting it, right? They're, they're still thinking about this earthly kingdom. And if you get anything out of the series, it's not about us. It's not about our kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. And so he was reminding them even now, he says this, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's this idea of power. I, I want you to understand if you're a follower of Jesus today, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is living in you. It's not you who does the work. I think I was, we, we were talking about this in, in our small group today a little bit. I think many times, I, I know I'm super guilty of this in the end, it's pride. But I think somehow when someone comes to me or, or I see somebody in trouble that I've got to fix it, right? A lot of us in here are fixers. I know a lot of guys tend to be that way. We, we think we need to fix it. I'm not the fixer. Jesus is the fixer. Okay, And so I need to remind myself, you need to remind yourself as a follower of Jesus that all you are is a messenger. If you will, you're the paper boy or paper girl. Okay, You're, you're the bring the news of Jesus. You, you're, like, you're like Philip or some of these others that you just, you're bringing the news. The Holy Spirit does the work. Now, there's going to be times where you bring the news and people aren't going to like it. I, my first job was a paper boy. Okay. And I had a bike, and I had a paper route. And there are sometimes when I went knocking, collecting, people weren't too happy. I remember this one apartment complex. I don't, it didn't matter. I tried morning, noon, or night. It didn't matter. Anytime I met this guy, he was angry, okay? He did not like to pay his bill, all right? But he was, I was just a delivery boy, all right? I was just bringing the news. There's going to be times when you bring the news, people aren't going to like it. All you're doing is you're bringing the good news of Jesus. Listen. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. Okay? But the, the Bible says that you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Who does the illuminating? The Holy Spirit. Who does the work in the person's heart? The Holy Spirit. 
they bring them to light, to understanding their condition is fallen, they can't fix themselves, and the <laughs> only answer is Jesus. All we are. And, and if you think back at that point, when you were born again, when you were saved, you can say the same thing. There have been people, I don't know how many messages I heard growing up. It wasn't until I was out on my own where God had to bring about these circumstances in my life, a brokenness, and I had no hope except for him. And at that point, it, it wasn't a preacher, it wasn't a Bible study, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that convicted me through the word of God that brought me to repentance and faith in Jesus. And so understanding that when you share the good news, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us new life and the power of his work. It's the Holy Spirit that it enlightens. See, the Holy Spirit is not merely given for our personal benefit, but it's for missional empowerment. Uh, the Bible has, I mean, this, the Word of God tells us the Holy Spirit has empowered you to do the work of God's mission. Now, I don't understand why God allows us to be a part of his work, but he does, right? The Bible describes us as like bro broken vessels, broken clay vessels, but he pours in his living water and he begins to allow us to be poured out on the lives of others and share that good news of Jesus with others. See, the Holy Spirit's empowerment is about advancing the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what we're here about. We're here to glorify God by advancing his kingdom through obedience to the Great Commission. And so that's what we're about. We're about the good news of answer. We're not about building a person's kingdom here. We're not about building a church to a certain size. We're not about um, going about and being uh, some sexy church. We're about going to spread God's kingdom. That's what we're about. Now, do we want to do everything with humility and excellence, right? And simplicity? Absolutely, we want to do that. But we're about advancing God's kingdom, sharing the good news, allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to come into that person's life, open their eyes to their need for Jesus, and being together, working together, grow, multiply, make disciples, and then plant more ch churches. Because we know this, the best way to advance God's kingdom is through advancing and multiplying and planting more churches. Because new churches re reach more people faster than any other program the church can offer. And that's why we're here. We're not only going to plant churches here. We're hoping to be planting churches over Caroline and the surrounding counties and hopefully to the ends of the earth. Why? Because that's what God's commanded us to do. I want to ask you this big question this morning as we close out. As the band makes their way up behind me. Where's the Holy Spirit revealing his will to you in your life? Where's he purifying your heart? Where's he wanting to empower you on mission? Only you can answer that question. Guys, I encourage you, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If, if God's giving you a desire, if he's showing you something about your life and his, his will for your life, don't push it aside. If, if, he is, if he's trying to begin to pull out those things that are things that are not like him and not his character or, or like our flesh, I encourage you not to push him aside. If, if he's calling you out to be on mission, which he calls all of us, but maybe in a specific area, a specific way, 
I ask you, I encourage you, don't push him aside. The Holy Spirit is the power that God's working in each of our lives to make us more like him and less like our flesh. Will you stand? I hope this morning, as word, the word of God was read and taught this morning, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do, and that's to eternally change hearts and minds, not to in any way fabricate anything, but the, the Spirit of God is working around us and through us. And maybe here this morning, you, you haven't put faith in Jesus. The, the Bible makes it very clear that if you call on the name of Jesus, the, they asked Peter on the day of Pentecost when he preached, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and believe in Jesus and be baptized. We want to share that good news with you this morning if you don't know how to do that. If maybe this morning you, you're feeling convicted or something's going on in your life, you just want a time of prayer or you, you want to pray with someone, you can do that as well. So I just encourage you in all these things, obey and listen to the power of the Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, thank you so much for our day. Thank you for what you're doing. God, I just pray that you would do what only you can do. And that's eternally change hearts and minds forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Calm and broken from my regards. 